It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this uh, 20th day of, what is it, August? September. September. Oh, September. Yeah. On uh, 20th day of September, uh, 2018, we're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and today our guest speaker is Mr. Sherman Howard, and... Uh, we're going to try to update you all with a little bit of news, some of it old, some of it new, uh, and all of it will be interesting, don't matter what. Uh, and if there's something we don't know, we'll just make it up. But anyway, uh, Sherman, how are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, Mr. Cook, just fine. By golly, I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Uh, I hope the listeners out there, uh, if they have any questions or comment, uh, we want them to call in. Our call-in number now is 347-237-4819. Now, that call-in number, once again, is 347 347- Two three seven four eight one nine, and you just hit the number one uh, after you hear the lady there uh, yakking. Uh, just uh, hit your number one. They'll put you in the queue with us, and if we see you in the queue, we'll try to get you on the air here, uh, and uh, that way, uh, if you have a question or comment, we can do our best to try to get it figured out for you. So, uh, German, what in the world have you been up to? It's been a while since we had you on. Well, I've just been up in the Georgia mountains trying to relax and uh, get get stronger to get back in the fight with the VA. I want to first say that I I think all the people that uh, serve the VA and serve us veterans, the ones that are dedicated and loyal, uh, as I've told before, my opinion is that the Veterans Administration should be the gold standard of how government should operate. And I think if you work for the VA, for the Veterans Administration, it should be considered the greatest honor in this nation to serve our nation's veterans. And by by having that attitude and by having that understanding that you're the gold standard, someone has to be first. Someone has to win the championship, you know? In football, it's the Super Bowl. In baseball, it's the World Series, you know. And whatever it is, you know, somebody has to be the best and the champions. And I don't see any reason why the VA can't be that, except uh, we've got to get some leadership in there, number one, that's willing to lead and that they're willing to hold their people responsible. And we've got to have some unions in there that understand that their unions are to represent their people and good and bad, and when they're bad, they need to retrain them or get them out of there. And if they're good, they need to uh, accelerate and, and prove, you know, show the rest of us what they are, you know. And I That's just did right. a little research on the 
I did a little research on the senior executive service, which I might talk a little bit about later on. Um, it seems to be that they're the, uh, the the heads of the heads up there. They're the people that aren't appointed by the government but uh, are hired, and they're the upper echelon of the uh, of the VA leadership. And just probably why I'm up here in the mountains resting now is because I picked on one of their leaders that was incompetent and made false accusations and was uh, re- retaliating against whistleblowers and used uh, her power to destroy lives. And uh, I had to go and still am going through the senior executive service and being held back on every level because uh, they are protecting one of their own instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. That shouldn't be happening. You're here to serve veterans. They're there to serve themselves. And someone just told me recently that they're really they're they're like the senior executive service. Or they're um, they're represented by the senior executive association, which represents all senior executives for the federal government. But they're like the deep state. They can they control everything because they're the ones in power, really. The Secretary of Veterans Affairs, he's not in power. The Secretary of Health or these different people, they're trying to do their job in their area. And the Senior Executive Service, which has their own executive offices at the VA medical at the VA headquarters, and they uh, and they're the general counsel and all these different things. They're the one that controls all the power in the VA. So they should be held accountable for any issues that are involving mistreatment or denial of rights and all to veterans. Yeah. Uh, You know, Sherman, you're right. Uh, The BA should be set an example and and an honorable one. And, And, of course, we know that there are some very dedicated veteran uh, friendly uh, servants there working for the the BA and they do the best they can. Uh, it seems like the BA is always trying to scheme up on a veteran, but uh, like you say, uh, they need some good leadership and uh, the heads of the different uh departments uh, you know uh, they should be uh accountable for their own departments and and of course we know there's a lot of departments that depend on what you know what regional offices you're in and and that's just on the claim side and then we have the medical side uh, so uh, although there's a lot of dedicated people, it, it don't take but one or two yahoos uh, trying to be hard-nosed or smart, you know. Uh, uh, they're going to show this guy that, and, this, you know, poor veterans a lot of times take a beating when they shouldn't. But uh, I'd like yeah, to... I want to explain something. It's not really all veterans, neither. What I've found out in my four or five years now of fighting this group is that um, if, say, a, a person's an associate director or a director of a medical center, and they basically whistle blow on themselves saying, hey, this is terrible. This is what our orders are coming down from the Visa Network or up from, from Washington, whatever. 
then the senior executive service automatically attacks them. Their own service attacks them because they're not falling in line. They're, they're, they, what they're doing is pointing out incompetency from someone else up higher than them. And by doing that, they're rocking the boat of their own system, so they're not viable anymore. They're, 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 they're expendable. Instead of saying, thank you for pointing that out, we, what our interest is is making sure every veteran gets the care that they deserve in our facilities, and we're going to make sure that that particular person is properly trained to make sure that they do it. As, a, as an association, that's what they should be doing. Instead, they're retaliating and making their lives terrible. And I know, I know four cases of people that are, are really more than that that are done. I mean, it's, it's, you can go to the uh, Office of Special Counsels, uh, which is outside the VA, but they represent uh, uh, federal employees, and you can see one after another after another that have been attacked by their own leadership because, they're lead, because they brought up in, incompetence or failures in their own leadership. You know, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's amazing, really, when you start looking at this stuff and you you see exactly exactly what you know what they're doing, um, but you mentioned and, and it, it is it's not just on the medical side. I talk a lot on the medical side because that's who I deal with mostly. But on the benefit side too, the directors of the uh, of the various uh, regional offices are all in the senior executive service, so they're protected by their own agency for their incompetence and stuff and. I went to it. Have you ever gone and, and looked at the uh, IG reports, Inspector General reports for the VA? Do you ever go on their Internet site and look at those? Yes, I get their reports. And, and uh, you know, they have a lot to say, but not enough people pay attention to the IG reports. They well, do point what out some things, but the IG uh, report the, the IG report will come out with whatever they see, and then they'll make a, a recommendations five, ten, fifteen, whatever recommendations. Yeah. and then the, and then the group that they're they're inspecting or talking about responds back and says we concur with your conclusions and we'll do a better job, you know, and then it pops up again three years later. The same thing happens again and again and again, but. I just pulled up a report the other day. It's it's uh it's an IG report number seventeen dash zero four nine six six dash two zero one. It was uh published on July seventeenth, two thousand and eighteen. And it's uh-huh. and it's the title of, and the title of it's called Unwarranted Medical Reexaminations for Disability Benefits. Oh. And what the IG what the IG went in there and did is they they went in and pulled a sample, 53,500 uh, requests for reexaminations of um, of claims for veterans. Uh, this is reexaminations. This aren't examinations. These are reexaminations for. It's called unwarranted medical reexaminations for disability benefits. Out of the 53,500. They found that 19,800, based on the sample the review took, it, yeah. uh, that that the um, unwarranted request estimated that the, the uh, that they were unwarranted to uh, to do these reexaminations. 
that they found 19,800 were wrong in doing that. 37% of their sample was yeah. they should have never done. Out of that, out of that 19,800, 14,200 had no changes, meaning that the, 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 the original exam was good. Almost over three-quarters percent. And then 3,700 proposed redu- reduction of benefits. So three-quarters of the ones that they found to be based on the sample review they shouldn't have never done, 14,200 of them, there was no change, and then 3,700 were proposed reductions. So I can, and what's interesting, this is a six-month period, a review period. In that six-month review period, the VA spent $10,100,000 on unwarranted reexaminations. 5.3 million went to uh, the VA uh, VHA for the examinations. Uh 4.8 million went to VBA contractors. In the review statement, they said the review team estimated that VBA would waste $100.6 million on unwarranted re-exams over the next five years unless it ensures that the employees only request re-exams when necessary. That's $20 million a year. That's just on a sample of what they've got that, that would be wasted well, and I wonder, uh, Sherman, how many of those re-examines, uh, examinations that they did and, and that resulted in a reduction, how many of those reductions held up? Uh, you know, I don't know. It just, said, it just said, said 3,700 were proposed reductions. Oh, proposed. So that was just a proposed reduction. It also yes. talks about something, and I didn't. I didn't write it down, and I didn't print it out because it was it was about twenty pages or something. But it talked about on these re-exams with veterans that have had issues for many years, and veterans over the age fifty or sixty. I can't remember. Almost a hundred percent of the time, those re-examinations had no changes, and that the veterans were put through unnecessary um, delays. And um, hassle in the benefits. I mean, that's I not last year's report. That's not that came out in July seventeenth, two thousand and eighteen, two months ago. Yes, I can, uh, and I know veterans that had repetitious uh, CMP examinations, and it just, uh, you know. And and the only reason for that, the majority of the time, there may be cause for a reexamination. You know, it depends on the ailment and and what's going on with a particular veteran. But there's too many of them, uh, and and the only reason they're doing that is 
trying to build a case for a reduction in benefits. I know veterans. Or denial. Yes, and I know veterans that were almost on their deathbed. Well, you know, real close. And and uh, it seemed like every month or two they was trying to reduce their benefits, and they were totally incapacitated. Now, what kind of bunch, you know, who's idiots that would be pulling that? Uh, um, I'll tell you, it's a lot of problems, and and it, I, it, I, I'm going to take it square on the on the shoulders of the VSOs, the Veterans Service Organizations, through Congress or somebody through the VA has decided that they represent us in in our disability claims and our appeals and everything. That they're the experts. Unfortunately, they're not the experts, and they don't know what's going on. I mean, even when I had my it had mine done. I went and actually ended up, got lucky, and had a great lawyer's uh, pro bono represent me because uh-huh. uh, uh, we had a great case. But see, the VA had had one for me that was totally ridiculous, as I was like and say. And then I went to my lawyers and talked to them. And they said, "Well, you know, we have a right to do our own C and P exam, you know, and have a, have an outside person do it, not associated with the VA." So we did that. So then, mine ran tests and all kind of stuff. And then they had it. it, it he was a psychologist or psychiatrist, whatever it was. And um, then the VA came back and says we don't accept that. Uh, they contradict each other. We're going with ours. And so we wrote him a letter back saying that's ridiculous. You know. Um, we proved that your your person was incapable and, and, and unqualified to do it and that they had conflicts of interest. So then they sent me, they said, well, you got to go to the VA hospital and get, get one done over there in Atlanta. And they needed certain terminology that no one had ever used before. So I had a letter sent to them saying, well, if you're going to do that, then we we uh, we've always done everything the VA asked us to do in this process, and we'll do it. But we reserve the right to go outside and have our own another CMP exam done, which I went and had two more done on the outside by a psychologist and a psychiatrist, all overly qualified. And sure enough, up pops the uh, CMP exam from the the VA with the exact wording that they wanted to have in there to. To, so they could deny me, you know. I mean, it's just amazing what goes on, and um, you know, it, what gets me is they waste more money trying to 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 deny veterans that rightfully do it. I I, I can mention a case that I know of a person now that's very sick, has been very sick for a long time, was exposed to all kind of chemicals in his job, even nuclear testing and waste and all kind of stuff. He's got every kind of problem you would want, heart, blood, lungs, everything, zone machines and stuff. And he's been fighting for 17 years to to get everything recognized. And uh, the VA has just sent him another thing saying you got to go to two more exams. You know, he's in his 70s, I think. You know, it's ridiculous. They already know what he's got. They know that he's had it for many years. They know one causes the other, but yet they want to keep harassing him and making him go to another exam, another exam. You know, it's kind of like they hope you die before you get finished, you know? 
because your your family's not going to fight it after you're gone, and it's cheaper for the VA to go put you up there in, in a uh, in a national cemetery or bury you somewhere and give you a little tombstone marker than to, uh, to actually take care of you. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and I I don't. Uh, it, it's got to be. Of course, we we all know it's to deal with dollars and cents, and uh, of course they ain't got no cents, but they got plenty of dollars, and they want to keep their hands on it. And somehow, through all this stalling, waiting, and repetitions of this nonsense, uh, they're saving money somehow. Or they're increasing their bonus status. And I think a lot of it comes down to increasing their bonus status. And I'd like to see the BA actually do away with their bonus status. And maybe that would cut some of this out. Um, Well, the American people support the the, the American Legion, the DAV, and the members support them. They got every kind of fundraiser. They have commercials on. They should be totally independent of the VA, anyways. They should hold Absolutely. no. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely. I mean, it's like it's like you know. Uh, and I talk to this lady a lot, Dr. Carolyn Clancy. She's the head of the VA healthcare now. They've changed the title for it. She's been up there before and back, back, back and forth as usual. But you know, last year they gave her the Executive of the Year award at their convention. The American Legion did, you know, in Texas or something, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, and she's and then every she's the one that's in charge of directly dealing with them on issues. You know, you can't you can't name a building after someone and then expect them to uh, not hold you accountable for the actions. You know. I would I mean, it's not. just not. It's just re- re- ridiculous. But uh, they've got to quit subsidizing these uh, different organizations. Uh, Most of them have, I think all of them have membership dues. So they're they're bringing in funds. Why uh, Why should the BA furnish their office space, their phone, pay their phone bills, give them vehicles to drive, and and uh, and uh, some of them get uh, so much a year. And why is uh, the government a, subsidizing that? That uh, to me that defeats the purpose. Why is the VA subsidizing the senior executive service? Why are they subsidizing the uh, federal well, employees it, workers it union? Why are they su- yeah. you know providing them offices? And whenever they're elected an officer in the hospital or something, then they don't do their job anymore as long as they're the president or the secretary or whatever. They sit in an office and all day and at, at, at taxpayers' expense and not represent the veterans. They represent the employees, you know I mean? I mean, and we're paying for them to do it. And, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. That's why it takes a year and a half to two years to, to fire anybody or even get a hearing on anybody that, that's, un, you know, that's had a problem with the union, you know, that the, that's been trying to be reprimanded. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff, you know. Last June, the, it was created of the Whistleblower and Accountability Office, okay? Yeah. And between 
119 and 224 employees complain each month to the Office of Accountability and Whistleblowers, okay? So that's every month between 119 and 229 since it was formed last June complained to that, that office. The VA Inspector General uh, started to investigate this and find out what was going on and what these whistleblowers were doing because nothing was happening. The, the VA Inspector General filed a complaint, and it's, this is another report, says the VA Inspector General accused the acting VA Secretary of concealing information. The VA Secretary refused to send the information to the, to the, to the Inspector General of the VA, saying, you're just using this information to make us look bad, so we're not going to send you the information. Now, I mean, really, what, what is that? You know? <laughs> Well, it's a it's a gigantic conspiracy. They have to conspire to be doing this stuff, and uh, there's groups of them that have gotten together and have created this this uh, way or. Department of Secrecy or something, and uh, I don't know what it is exactly, but it seems like well, nobody knows what anybody else is doing, or if they did well, know, what they, they know, they know about it. They actually know what they're doing, but there's a, there's a few the, the 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 senior executive service, which is between three and four hundred members, control everything. They control all the information. They control all the power. The secretary, how many? How can the vet, secretary of Veterans Affairs have power? We had General Shinshaki, then Bob McDonough. We had acting in between. Then Bob yeah. McDonough. We had acting in, when, in the election in November. Um, Bob McDonough and Sloan Gibson basically took off, and then the President Trump came in, so we had an acting really there until till the President came in in, what, January February when they do him. The last appointment that, that we had uh, on his cabinet was a Secretary of Veterans Affairs, which was Dr. Shookin. Uh So that was almost another year uh, that we had acting people in charge. That's when some of this stuff went on that uh, with the Inspector General and all. And I um, mean, you know, when you don't, you have a constant rotation of leadership that that's elected, and then those appointed people are the ones that are that are wielding the power. You, you know as well as I do. I mean, you know, if you had a, a lieutenant uh, that was leading your artillery division and y'all didn't like him, then you could do all kind of things to screw it up. You know, oh, and yeah. make them look bad. You know, I mean, you know. Um, and that's what they do. They cover for their incompetent employees instead of protecting the veterans and saying, wait, you know, you're a good person. We hired you. We think you're very capable of doing certain things, but you're not right to lead a medical center. We, you know, we're not going to support you in this issue. We're hoping that you go ahead and move on somewhere and uh, let's get the right person for the job in here. You know? Well, they don't do that. They move them from, from one. They keep them in the same position, but they move them from one outfit to another. And the United States has got quite a few uh, different 
medical facilities and regional offices, so they can afford to keep moving these people around. And uh, uh, the BA obviously supports their actions, or they wouldn't. They would take measures to get rid of them. I remember when Ronald Reagan did away with their traffic controller unions. Oh yeah, uh, and that, it, it was gonna, everything was going to fail, but it picked up better. It uh, it did work itself out. He did uh, do away with them. He told them what he was going to do if they didn't straighten up, and he did it. And uh, at the time, <coughs> I thought it was going to be a nightmare. I figured planes are going to fall out of the sky everywhere, but they they really didn't, and it, it did work out. Well, the same issue will go with uh, the, the BA. If the president would step out and say, look, all this senior executive board that's trying to control everything, even the Secretary of Veteran Affairs evidently has no uh, influence over them because they seem to be running the the VA as they see fit. Now, well, they do because they know they're going to last longer than that Secretary of Veterans Affairs. You got to figure right now. We just got a Secretary of Veterans Affairs say he got he he just got put in there. All right. President Trump has two more years on his term, basically maybe a little bit longer, but, you know, two more years and a couple of months on his term. All right, so they know that he's only going to be there two years. They can stall, delay that long, easy. That's a piece of cake, you know? Yeah. They can throw, throw monkey wrench after monkey wrench in it then because the president's not just running the VA. He's running the whole country and, and good portion of the – you're not, not running the world but having world issues, you know? So the secretary of VA, he's come in there, so he's got to have, you know, three three months to get, figure out what's going on and who he's got and what he's got, who he can trust, what he can trust. Then just like when when um, pres- when when Donald Trump got elected, you know, our secretary of VA, uh, Bob McDonough and, and his assistant Sloan Gibson knew that they weren't going to be appointed when President Trump came in, so they basically took off because they had had enough. So we were we were rudderless, you know. It's like a rudderless ship, you know. If you ain't got a rudder, you're just going to go in circles, you know. And that's well, what we I've... continue to do. The senior executive service, they're career employees. They're not uh, they're not appointed by anyone. They're they they've been hired and they uh, they're career government employees, and, and and that's the way it is. And they they run it. And so, do you think that someone that's incompetent is going to come up and tell you they're incompetent? No, they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you they're failing at their job. They're going to do everything they can to make themselves look good and make other people look bad. As of June 2000, uh, June 30th, 2018, the VA had 419,353 employees. That's how many the government says they can pay to work for the VA. It's the second largest federal organization. Out of that 419,353, there's 45,239 vacancies. Out of that 45,239 vacancies, the VA Medical has 40,000, 
No, they have 375,953 employees, 40,495 vacancies out of that number. Veterans have been a vet VBA, 25,560 employees. They're short, 1,978 employees. The National Cemeteries has 2,179 employees. They're short, 233. And then staff offices, which is up in Washington, they have 15,661 employees. That's what they're slotted. They're short, 2,572 employees. Um, I don't see why in a country like this, in a government jobs like that, that we have to have close, well, 45,000 empty vacancies, but I read those numbers to you to explain why we have a problem with poor leadership. It's because we don't have the leaders to replace them. We don't have the people that are capable. We've done the merit system, and whoever sticks in there through the merit system gets promoted. I know the director of the Atlanta VA Medical Center, and now she's the director of a vision network. She came into the VA as a nurse. Now, I don't have anything against nurses. I love nurses. But, you know, she didn't go to college while she was a nurse and get a degree in business administration. She didn't go to college while she was in the VA and get a degree in um, in hospital management. You know? None of those things. But she has 30 years in the VA. She's a member of the Senior Executive Service. And she's making over $200,000 a year and has an expense account like you wouldn't believe and has unlimited control on what she does over her people and, and everything else. Some reason, I, I and, and and I have an issue with her. I'll have to admit that because I was in a meeting with her and she made all kind of remarks, racial remarks and, um, and everything. And she's used the uh, senior executive service to deny me my rights, deny me FOIA requests. Uh, she's used her power to abuse it, not just me, but whistleblowers um, that uh, are employees, uh, directors and associate directors of medical centers. There's a whole list of, of her unwielded, unguarded un power to do it, you know, and instead of VA saying, hey, we're sorry that shit meeting, this should never have took place, or it should have took place, but those things should have never been brought up, and we're sorry that it happened. They've used every bit of their power to try to destroy me. They went in my medical records and pulled medical records out um, that that I'm disabled, and they used, tried to use that against me. They took another veteran that had nothing to do with it but was also a person that uh, that's an advocate for veterans and threw him in the middle of it um, and brought his medical records out. It's amazing what, what really goes on. It, it really is. It really is. I got enough. I got another one for you that's really interesting. Go ahead. There's another report that came out about the uh, Washington, D.C. Medical Center. I don't know if you ever uh, remember hearing it. It came out uh, about March of 2017. Oh. And um, in that medical center, there was 10,900 delay orders for services for veterans. And uh, 
A large amount of them lasted over 417 days after the request. They went into that medical center and did a investigation. They tried to fire the director of the uh, medical center because of total incompetence. What they found was is that these medical procedures were being delayed. That the uh, what is it? What the sanitation, whatever they call it, sterilization program Ster- was a total disaster. Yeah, was a total disaster. It was basically not there, and that they um, they um, found that they were lacking the instruments to do surgeries. Um, it, the report was so scathing; it was just absolutely unbelievable um, that this happened. They went in and they went in and spent millions of dollars. The VA did once the IG did this inspection and says, you know, veterans were suffering because these surgeries were not being done and they didn't have it. The VA went in and spent millions of dollars to buy new equipment to 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 you know surgical equipment because they didn't have surgical equipment. I mean, it's an it's another one of those IG reports you can go look up. Now, I mean, this is just crazy what went on. I mean, and then and then they fired the director he the senior executive um association filed a law a lawsuit and kept him in position they had the hiring back then they fired him again but we spent hundreds of thousands of really millions of dollars i forgot uh um exactly what the total was i have this number of 16-04555-138 and this is this shows that two two million one hundred thousand was spent, then another nine million six hundred thousand was spent, then another eleven thousand million seven hundred twenty four million dollars, uh, twenty three point four million dollars was wasted, or not wasted, but spent to bring it all back up to thing. Um, this just shows, you know. And guess what? This oh, I'm going to tell you where this was. This was, believe it or not at the Washington, D.C. VA Medical Center. That's <laughs> hard to believe. It's three miles from the White House and three miles from the VA headquarters. Isn't that amazing? You know, uh, here, here, I don't here's know what, if, actually, if the VA is ever going to get changed. Uh, to uh, do the job that they was designated to do. Evidently, it's been this way for so many years. I think that it's become a common practice. And the ones that really care, and uh, I'm, I would suspect their turnover, especially among uh, new hires, it uh, could be pretty high. I don't know. But, uh, you know, someone seeing what is actually going on, once they get a grip of what's going on and see the the crim- criminal. But a lot of this is criminal, Chairman. And uh, listen and, to this. This is, this, is, this is a direct quote. This report has identified unacceptable findings of grave concern to all of us in the VA leadership, Shookin said. This represents to me a failure of the VA system at every level, a failure at the facility, 
a failure at the network level and a failure at the central office. But guess what? Only one person was fired, and the central office, which is, is, the, is the senior executive service, fought to keep that person on the payroll. They had to rehire the person, wouldn't allow him to, to fire him, even though the president had signed a thing to be able to fire incompetent workers. The VA had yeah. to spend all this legal money and wrangling again to fire the person again. You know, I mean, that's just ridiculous. The senior, the senior executive service should have said right there, this is ridiculous. Look what this happened at this hospital to these people. We want to find out. We want to have this person fired. We want the network person that's in charge of that hospital to be fired. And we want to re-educate our whole staff in identifying these problems ahead of time and taking care of the, our veterans. See, the whole point is it's about veterans. Our name is on there, the Veterans Administration. It's about veterans. It's not about employees, but it's, we've got it wrong. It's about employees. We've got all these protections. Not everyone's cut out to do it. Well, the uh, system, the BA as a whole needs to be revamped. And uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. It's it's become a syndicate within itself. And there are some good, caring people working for the BA, but their hands are tied. Uh, no, I've known several. My doctor was one of them. That ever, she loved the VA. She told me when I first interviewed her, be my doctor. She says, "I'm never leaving. I don't have to. My husband makes plenty of money. Um, I love my veterans, and that's it." And she worked her tail right. off. And you know what? She they burned her out really quick because of incompetent chief of staff. I mean, we got a chief of staff that that we have a, a two star facility at our where. At, yeah. the, at that, that's a D. That's a failing, basically, medical center. The chief of staff been there probably 18, 20 years. You know, we had veterans committing suicide that were in lockdown there. They were walking around the hospital robbing the drug trays, committing suicide. He wasn't oh. held accountable. What they did is put him. They put him over him and the director of the hospital in charge of the vision for for about a year until they did an investigation and then slowly slid them back over there to our hospital. The whole time we were running on a, a, a acting director and an acting chief of staff, you know? And when you're acting, they're not going to make any decisions. I mean, I talk to them. I talk to people all the time. The, uh, many of the acting people, they said, well, you know, I'm not going to make decisions. I'm waiting on the, the, you know, the new director to be hired. And we're like, well, hell, it's been over a year, you know, make a decision, you know? Our lives count about it now, but they just won't. They can't. They're afraid. I don't know what to say. I I, I would think that you know we would go you know and and appeal to people's virtues and their their moral character and their honor, but uh, it doesn't seem that our country is requiring that anymore. You know? Yeah. Well, un- until. There's some accountability. It comes down to accountability. Until there's some serious accountability, I don't know what they're going to do, Sherman. I I see it uh, continuing on the way it was. 
the way it is and the way it has been. And uh, granted, now I grant you, some veterans walk in and they lay their claim down and it goes smooth as silk. Uh, uh, Some can go into a medical facility and they get the right primary care team that works as a team, they work together, they care about their veterans, and they do great. Uh, you know what I hear, Mr. Cook? I hear a lot of times veterans, they don't really have problems with their doctors and the doctors and stuff. It's getting to the doctors, you know? Uh, that's true. You know, it, you know. And, you know, in their, their mission statement, they talk about a con- collaborative team effort. You know, that's what they're going to do to provide services for veterans. But there's not a collaborative team effort, you know? And, and you know, I, I pondered this for a long time. And when I talk to other veterans and people, and what it is is, all right, say you're going to take a director of a medical center and the chief of staff of a medical center that has failed. Just use Washington that failed veterans miserably. I mean, it's proven. Yeah. It's in the report. And then you've got the associates and assistant directors, like the associate might have been in charge of, you know, the sterilization clinic and everything. You know, the directors over the whole hospital and the, and the outside clinics and everything. Well, say you want to clean house and just put in a whole new professional staff, you know? Well, you, you can't. Who are they going to put in there? That's there right. is no one. They're short-handed now. Right. And it's because I mean, of that. It's be- they're understaffed and, and overloaded. I mean, uh, they can't keep up with, with what they got. And I don't think they work hard enough to try to, re- you know, when you're two or three people short on a crew and you got a ball from one, and I, I've been in where uh, primary care teams were, they'd have to fill in from other teams because it wasn't enough to make a team. Uh, I've seen a lot of that. Uh, so they need to work harder to get some qualified people in there on those teams uh, and that would cut down a lot on the wait list. I mean if you can only handle so many people a day. Let me ask you a question. How can if you have a, a not a director, I call them dictators but because they're covering up for their incompetency but you know they're what the VA has never done, it says, what we're going to do is start today. We're going to go to 10 colleges, and we're going to start a program designed specifically for VA medical centers. And we're, these people are going to – and it's going to take us four years to, to graduate. We're going to take people that already have a you know, graduate's degree, and we're going to give them a, you know, a doctoral degree or get them a master's degree and doctoral degree. And you know leadership and 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 a, and a job specific thing, you know. But you know, I started this adventure really about eight years ago in my, when I first came into the VA, and I, I wrote a letter to General Shinshaki about the first month I was there. I said, "This is ridiculous! All these acting people here and there, no one can make a decision, no one knows what the hell's going on, and veterans suffer." 
And I, to, to Dr. Clancy, she says, you know, when I've been talking to her for four or five years now, and, of course, she tells me, you know, it takes time. You know, it just takes time. Well, veterans don't have time. A lot of us don't have time. A lot of us do, you know. And they need yeah. to, to take time. That means you've got to make a decision. You've got to come up and say, here's what we're going to do. Instead of wasting $10 million or $100 million here reexamining veterans, we're going to take that money and put it into a program where these people's college will be paid for, and they come in and they're ready to go to design for the 21st century medical care of veterans. You know, um, what gets me more about anything is you, you served in the military. I served in all of us that are veterans served in the military. You know, and I worked on the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, and I was a search and rescue swimmer for a little while. There's no room for mistake. If you make a mistake, someone's life is in danger, your life, their life, the whole ship's life. Uh, uh, while I was on the ship, you know, you could jeopardize yeah. the whole mission, you know, just by if you were out there on a patrol in the Army in the jungle and you didn't soften your dog tags or, you know, you had a, a watch that had an alarm, you could, and it went off because you didn't take the time to, to check, you know, or if I had a piece of FOD, foreign object, in my pocket, and it fell down on the flight deck, and it went into one of those jets and destroyed it. And you know, I mean, but the VA seems to think that it's okay to have thirty percent percent failure rate. You know? Well, it's not okay. No, it's they should shoot for perfection. They should be, like I said, the gold standard. They should be the best of the best. And if you are the best of the best, you'll stay with that system because, in the end, the benefits. And the retirement and the holidays and the, everything that a person that works for the government gets are pretty doggone good in the end, you know. But I know yeah. what happened at our facility is that the good people, they leave. They either go over to the CDC, which is in Atlanta, Center for Disease Control, because it's a lot calmer and better atmosphere. And uh, they have a they, they have job-specific thing. Their job is... is Center for Disease Control. I mean, and that's what they work on, you know, for the whole nation and the whole world. And, you know, I've had doctors leave. My doctor left, the one that was never going to leave. She went yeah. to Kaiser Permanente. I was talking to someone that knew her, and she says, oh, yeah, she loves it. She works four days a week. If she has an off day or something, she, or something she has someone to cover for, there's someone to be there, you know. She's lost 30 pounds, and she's out kayaking and enjoying her family. You know, because she was stressing out about her, her 1,000 veterans that she had all the time, you know, because she saw it, see it, you know? Wow, well, I mean, nurse could take care of, well, you know, that's the huh? trouble. They overload them and stress them. They burn them out, Chairman. Uh, I know when I was in the service, and I surely they still have that same program, Uh if they, uh, they would go to medical schools and sign, uh, you know, your interns up and say, look, we'll pay uh, for your schooling here, but you have to agree to spend two, three, four years uh, as a medical doctor and, uh, for the uh, service. Now, I wonder, surely they still do that, don't they? They they do and that for the VA. They do that for the VA. Well, then the problem the is as soon as that doctor, they got all these millions of dollars are 
they're uh, throwing around. Now, why in the world ain't they signing more doctors up? Is it the fact that they because, don't want to pay them nothing? Well, pay is one thing, and that's always going to be a thing. you got to want to do service out of your heart, a lot of it, you know, and know that your reward's over. But they come to the VA, and, I mean, you know, they come to the VA, and they work four years, and they pay off their debt, and they go somewhere else because they say, I'm not dealing with this idiocy that goes on here anymore. I was I – was, my doctor wasn't there one day when I went to the clinic for something, and I saw an intern. The intern was from Virginia. He was going to the Emory University. Emory University is right connected to our hospital. Their campus is. And we're a teaching hospital for Emory, and we're also a research hospital. We also have Morehouse College in Atlanta that, that does the same, works with us in research and teaching. This guy's last name was Lee. I remember him. And I was talking to him, and he's an intern. And I said, you know, what's the deal? You know, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I'm an intern. And I said, well, are you going to come to the VA after you uh, get through interning? And he says, well, you know, I plan to, but I'm not now. And I go, well, why aren't you going to? And he said, because it's crazy here. It's just so ridiculous, the, the incompetence that goes on. He, you know, he says, I'm not going to do it. He says, and I need to tell you a story. And I said, what's that? He said, I'm a fifth-generation member of a family, and four generations before me all served in the U.S. military. He says, I'm the only one that didn't. And he says, I chose to go into medical school and serve our nation's veterans. And he says, now I'm not going to do it, he says, because it's just not worth it. Wow. Now, I tried. I, I tried. I talked to the chief of staff in the hospital about it. I couldn't mention the guy's name or something because he was still in medical school, you know, and he was an intern there. But that's the attitude, you know, when you have incompetent leaders and leaders that don't care, and you in your in your, you know, I mean, it's, it's there. You've got to you've got to create an organization that people want to be a part of, you know. Well, yeah. Does that make sense? Well, Everybody wants to go to work for, for for the best company, you know? We all want to go to work for the best, the best of the best, you know? Why do I want to work for, you know, Dollar General when I can work for Neiman Marcus, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, why do I want to, you know, go and work at McDonald's when I can work at Chick-fil-A? Yeah. You know, it, uh, I mean, it's, seriously, and the VA is, is they, they haven't set the gold standard, you know. There's always going to be shortages in the medical field. There's always going to be shortages everywhere. But what it takes is, number one, to have, and, and we do have the good doctors, and we have a lot of people, and we have a lot would be there and stay there, but you've got to have leadership at the top to lead because, Incompetent leadership of people leave. I mean, I've worked at jobs where we out. I had an idiot running the place. I said, I'm going home. They said, where are you going? I said, I'm not working here today. I'm quit. Because it's better <laughs> my house not making any money than to be dealing with this idiot, you know? Yeah, I have to. <laughs> and I believe yeah. in unions. unions. Unions have done a lot of good things for a lot of people over the years. But they've got to understand that, you know, a government union and another union is a different thing, you know? 
when the, when the government employees union takes 90% of their money and the teachers union and all them and give it to one political party over the other one, then that's not fair and balanced, you know? We've got to keep a balance. And our balance has to be that our leaders have to be the best of the best. And they have to swallow their pride and say, hey, I'm not cut for this job, but I can go out here and work at another place, a, you know, a local clinic or something. There's not as much stress and everything, you know. But it's that golden egg at the end of the retirement. Yeah. It that sure the government is. has. And, it, and it's that five-day work week. I mean, you've been to the hospital. I mean, I'll tell you what. I want every listener here to think about this. Right before Thanksgiving, everybody takes off at the hospital where I'll go anyways. And they don't come back till the 4th to 5th of January. It's a skeleton crew. You can't get anything done. They're gone because they're taking the rest of their leave for the year. They're going here there to their families. We transfer people all over the place like it's crazy, you know. And so, you know, the, it basically shuts down. And tell me this ain't true, even with the benefits office, anything in the VA. If we have Columbus Day on a Monday, you better believe people are taking off Thursday and Friday and Tuesday. Yeah. Nothing gets done the whole next week. That's, it's just that's that right. way. Yeah. You know? And we got a holiday every damn month. There's a holiday every month, at least one, sometimes two. Yeah, that's right. Then I don't know how many days off they get regularly. Uh, probably quite. They probably get pretty good vacation time. And they string that out over the year. Hell, they can work three or four days a week. They get vacation time. They get sick time. And if you look in the union contract, you'll even see that say I'm working today and I go to my supervisor and say, hey, I really need to go do something today. I need to have the day off the rest of the day or something. The supervisor can let them off, and it's an un- it's, it's called an uncounted day off. They can get us those. <laughs> like a three-day pass. <laughs> yeah. It's in the contract. Yeah, boy. Well, and there's no limit on how many of those they can get. So, you know, you're buddies with your supervisor and don't go reporting your supervisor for incompetence. And then you go say, hey, I need two days off next week. I'm going to go look at houses. All right, good. Well, who suffers? Well, the veterans suffer. But it all comes to leadership. And it, you know what? The most important thing is if that person that works in the sterilization division that sterilizes those instruments. And it's the person that cleans the floor, and, and, and it's the person that checks you in, and it's the person that files the records. All those people are important, and, and if you don't have leadership in those positions, then it just throws a, a monkey wrench in the whole gear. And then when yeah. you have unions that say, we're going to protect that incompetent fool for the rest of the, their time in the, in the thing, then it just it messes it all up. Then you have a leaders that are switching every so many months and going here or there, you know? Crazy. Oh my, Chairman, we're we're about out of time. Well, hey, you didn't get no uh, calls, and I, I always always promise I ain't going to talk too much, and I do. But you know, well, I want to say again, okay. this is an appeal to the American Legion, the DFW, the DAV, all those things. Get your act together. Represent veterans, veterans only. Whatever's in the best interest of the veterans, not yourself, not a little pin on your hat. 
nothing. The reward comes later on. The rewards comes when a veteran looks you in the eye and says, thank you for your service. Thank you for your help. You know, start standing up saying we aren't accepting this anymore. We don't accept excuses. We only want results. That's it, Chairman. We're off the Did that make it in there? Yeah. Good. All right. Well, good. (laughs) I doubt it'll do any good because. Well, yeah, somebody, yeah, people hear it. Uh, and I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, that's good. You did a good show, Chairman. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Cook. Great you have show. a great day, and I hope they uh, don't make you go through that unnecessary exams. Oh, God, I know. They told me I'd have to go through, through three of them. And I'm Are we off there now? Yeah, we're yeah, up we're there. Up uh, <laughs> all right, well, I kind of told your story or part of it without mentioning you, you know, that, look, right. that, that 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 report said basically it covered you exactly, that someone that, that has so many issues that they know one connects to the other, there's no sense in, in putting a veteran through unnecessary exams and, and re-exams because they already know the issue, you know? Yeah. That's true. You're you're absolutely right. Instead of doing it individually, I'd rather see the VA come along and do them in blocks because you got a certain amount of veterans exposed to uh, jet fuel. You got a certain amount of veterans that was exposed to uh, motor oil or what, you know, whatever. Now the group I was together. An asbestos. Anybody, anybody on a World War II ship, and later on was asbestos for a long time. Well, yeah, John, he's he you, was you know, all, all the best. All the yeah. all the all the vents are covered with asbestos. The wall coverings are soundproofing yeah. asbestos. I mean, every and the ship's shaking all the time. It's shaking that stuff all in your air, you know. Yeah, but yeah. but you know, I mean, it's. Uh, you know, you're you're right. They should do it in blocks. But you know, the next set of veterans coming up, and and you know, we need to really work on it. Is the ones over there in the in the in the Persian Gulf in that area now? I mean, you know, the burn pits. I don't know if you've heard about oh, those. Oh yes, oh yes. And you mean the one? You you mean the the war there? That more people got killed in car wrecks in actual combat. That's what you talked about. No, no, the burn pits, what they do on those bases is they've been burning all their trash. So if they have old tires, bad batteries, whatever it is, they throw in a burn pit and burn it on the base. So they don't have garbage pickup. They've been burning burn pits since since the Spanish-American War, man, burning stuff. (laughs) Right, but, but, you know, it's it's more toxic now, you know. Mm, It's just... It's just a daggum mess. It's just like the the water up there in that camp in North Carolina where they dumped, you know. Camp Lejeune. Yeah, yeah, dumped all those chemicals and it hit the groundwater and people's babies were deformed place, and miscarriages and, you know. That place got that place got rinsed off last week. Yeah, it did. I mean, well, it, it's going to be a lot worse because now the, the uh, tar, uh a, what did they call that? Something ash? You ever heard of that? 
coal ash. Have mm-hmm. you ever heard of that? Oh, well, yeah. Coal ash in North they're famous for 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 their pits uh, of coal mm-hmm. ash uncovered, unprotected, uh, for burning that coal. And now all of them are overflowing again and breaching. So they're going into the river. Yeah. So you're putting lead and mercury and all that in there. Then if you look at I'll tell you what, go back and look at a satellite photo of the of the of the the uh, estuaries and the coast before this hurricane, and then mm-hmm. go look in another month at it. All the 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 North Carolina has a huge number of hog farms. I mean, they're probably the biggest producer of hogs in the nation. Yeah, and they have the, the they have these hog uh, holding pens that hold all the urine and and feces for these hogs. Well, they've breached. The last time they had a big hurricane, it happened, and they said they were going to clean it up, but they didn't. And you can look at a satellite photograph, and it all washes straight down there into the estuaries and into the ocean. It's just a mess. They, they, you know, I don't know. I don't listen to national news, so they're probably not mentioning it. But you know, I mean, it's a it's they an environmental have, uh, I have nightmare. a little mentioned it. See, coal ash was a major problem up in Alaska because Port Wainwright was heated with coal. And uh, in the winter, that uh, they, the top layer of snow would be charcoal color from that coal ash from uh, the, where they heated the post. And... Uh, so it was a real mess up there, and I imagine that it is everywhere else they use coal, burning it. Uh, there is uses for coal, of course, but for deals like that, I don't know. But I know that yeah. in Carolinas, who in the world would want to live down in a cesspool like that now? I don't know. I mean, some people have no other choice. A Tar Heel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one there. Some people have no other choice, you know? Well, you know, I guess Americans, not. Americans are finicky people, you know? I mean, they, they'll stick with their roots, you know? And, they, you know, it's like, it's like um, I'll tell you a little story. There's a mill town down in, called Porterdale, down in Georgia, down around Covington, Conyers area. It's an old mill there. And they had, I don't know if they have them up in Missouri, they probably do, but not as much as in the south here. The little mill mm-hmm. town has these little shotgun houses that the mill the mill owners own. They own the mm-hmm. mill and they own the little houses that the people lived in. They own the store down there, the commissary and all that stuff. Well, these little mill houses were Con- built back in the 30s. Huh? You talking about do what? Is it Conyers? Is it Conyers, Georgia? Conyers, Georgia, yeah. Yeah, okay. And Porterdale is the name of this little mill town. But what the story I was going to tell you about what it is is that um, is that they got these old mill houses that were built back in the 30s and 40s and stuff, and they're full of lead paint, you know, just painted over paint over paint. Well, now it's the only affordable housing for people that live on Social Security and, and SSI because I, I ran a route there and took took fresh fruit and vegetables to them and would and take do pick up stuff and take it to the people that were in there. Some of them were wheelchair bound and stuff and couldn't get around. The county would only pick them up once a month to take them to a doctor's appointment or something. So I, I kind of, that was my little project that I did. 
and each one of them suffer chronically, and their kids are are, are deformed or mentally uh, not much deformed as mentally um, behind in school, you know, because they're chewing on and breathing this lead paint and stuff, you know. But we just warehouse them there, and the people that own the houses now, they somebody's gone in there and bought them a little house for twenty thousand dollars. They rent it out for four hundred dollars a month, you know, to someone on SSI or 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 social security or a limited income, you know, and that's what we do to people. And I, it's terrible, and, you know, and that's what we do to veterans too, in a lot of ways, you know, I mean, we, we, we hear that how the, everybody's going to take care of us and, and uh, we don't want to be taken care of. I don't want to be taken care of. I want to be self-sufficient. I want to be able to take care of myself, but you know, I want to, I want to, to receive the benefits that I earned and and be checked out for the the issues that might come up due to my exposure to whatever, you know. And I just think it's terrible. And I just think the VBA, and I pick on the the hospital side a whole lot because I deal with the hospital side a whole lot. Um, but the VBA is just as terrible. Just like I don't, did you hear me today talk about the wasting money in the re-exams, Jim? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. You still there? Yeah. You heard it on the radio. So I mean, they in in six month period of time they spent they wasted over ten thousand ten million dollars on reexamining people they didn't need to reexam. You know, they said in five years it'll be over a hundred and four a hundred point four million dollars wasted. You know, that's <laughs> ridiculous. So if they can reduce your rating with a reexamination, if it saves them ten dollars, they spend two thousand dollars doing it. They still want to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah but but out of out of the number that they did, only like I forgot what it was. Three thousand out of fifty uh, something thousand, they recommended for rate reduction. They just recommended it. They didn't reduce them necessarily, but that only out of all of. Uh, Fifty something thousand that they checked, only you know three thousand of them were like that. I had another thing on there that was real interesting. The VA gives out credit cards to certain people, and yeah. uh, that people were people were using these credit cards to go out and buy supplies for the VA. Mm-hmm. Okay, instead of they're supposed to go through a bidding process so they get the best deal and everything. Well, they were bypassing it, and within a one-year period of time, they spent over ninety-something million dollars on these credit cards, mm-hmm. bucking the system. These are executives, senior executives. Again, they should be fired. They should be punished for not doing the right thing, you know. But they they normally don't get caught, you know. If they have to get something I mean, in the emergency situation, I could understand it. You know, I mean, it's sure. having been a former VA employee. You know, things happen, and uh, sometimes right. they have to go out to. They have sometimes they have to go out to uh, the medical supply center and get stapled or something like that. You know, for the guy going into surgery or something like that. Yeah, but uh, I could see over excessive abuse of that credit card. But each each department's got its own person that's in charge of that, and they're uh, they're they're like a financial type person. They do all the stuff like that. So, but they're pretty they're. I'm, but fiscal service at the VA, but they're very, very stingy. Very have you ever stingy. seen the? Have you ever seen the uh, congressional hearing when they had the p- people in charge of purchasing for the VA there, and the person in charge of the credit card system and everything there? 
It was one of the biggest groups of dumbasses I've ever seen in my life. The one guy that was in charge of credit cards, when they brought these credit card things up, he says, I haven't even heard of this until today when somebody handed me the paper. And the, and the, and the Congress, the senator says, well, listen, you, you were subpoenaed a month ago to come here on this day. Did you not want to find out why you were being subpoenaed here? And he goes, no. You know? Yeah. But, he, but he's a senior executive, you know, and he's saying – it, it, I mean, and then the guy in charge of all purchasing saying, well, you know, I thought Joe was handling that, you know. Well, you know, thinking ain't what the job is doing. You make sure somebody's doing it, you know. That's Didn't what, you hear the you reply? Know, but, huh? Didn't you hear the reply? Didn't you hear the reply? What was what from who, like the congressman? This. No, from the VA employee. You know, it sounds something like this. Duh, which way do we go, Herman? Which way do we go? That's tiring. That's yeah, tiring your I mean, brother-in-law and your sister-in-law to do a damn job, and you had to need to go out and find find the right people to do it. The buddy system and this nepotism has got to go. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. In fact, there's a report there in there in the IG report about a guy that worked up in the general counsel's office. He was one of the higher up of the legal guys, and it showed how over a period of time he was trying to get his wife hired, and he made these suggestions and stuff to be a lawyer in this other division and, and, and it has the whole communications and all it showed he totally violated the law and all you know and they finally said well she's gonna you know they're go- she's gonna have to be let go and they're gonna have to return the money you know i mean there's there's corruption like there's gonna be corruption when you have four hundred and some thousand employees you're gonna have problems but the VA doesn't have room for problems. They need to get rid of them and, and get the right people, you know, period. I, this is kind of my belief. Kind of what's going on the Well, yeah, that's where I've actually started doing more research now. The VA is just an extension of the federal government. It's part of the federal government. The, the senior executive service is the deep state in every division of the government. If you start looking at it, those guys that were – that were doing all that in the Justice Department and the FBI, they weren't appointed by the president or nothing. Those are career employees. Look where do the you remember that group? You... Yeah, do you remember that group? Yeah. It starts with a V that, that did an investigation back a long time ago when, when Obama was um, running for president. It was called uh, it, something like nut something or something like that, they were acorn. Do you remember that? Acorn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Var, Vartek or Var something, that group uh, exposed acorn. They went in there and had them talking about how they cheated the system and all. Well, they they they, they just did some more invest, undercover investigations, and they investigated people from the Justice Department, the FBI, the, the IRS, and all this that are communists and they have this, they have these meetings and it, they went on there and they got recordings of them talking about how, yeah, I work at the justice department and I used six hours of my time yesterday working on the socialist uh, newsletter, you know, and all this, but they can't fire me. I'm a government employee. And they bragged about how they, you know, how, what they were doing. The same group that exposed Acorn and crashed Acorn down. It's pretty interesting. It's out there now. I mean, if you go maybe to a Sean Hannity website, you can hear this guy or see. And then uh, it's it's Vertech or something like that. 
that does these undercover things. But I mean, they've they've got they've put out every day they've put out a new one from a different department, you know, and they're telling how they're actually slowing things down and ruining the government, working in the government on a government payroll. It's amazing, but you don't yeah, hear anything about state. that. You hear about, huh? That's called deep state, Sherman. Right. Well, I mean, it's in the VA too. There's a deep state. Mhm. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not culture, buddy. But I don't know. As long as us warriors can still fight, you know, I'm getting a lot healthier up here in the mountain. I'm about ready to go back and battle the VA. Unfortunately, make sure you better make sure you call. You need to call Bubba's Bent Barrel Division and get some ammo. <laughs> Bubba's what? <laughs> Bubba's bit barrels and Bubba's. rusty bullets. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm Bubba. I can't get in your gate, man. You got a security gate where you live. The wrecker can't even get in there to get your car. What are you talking about? No, I I fight them with my mouth. I just I'm a, I'm a big harasser. I'll call them and ask them, you know, say, look, you know, just like I told Bob McDonald one day when I was talking to him, I said, man, you need to quit acting like a dumbass and get your head out, you know, straight, you know. Because right. mm. I mean, that's just that's just the way I am, you know. And they don't like it. They Bob McDonald said, well, you can't talk to me like that. I don't like that kind. Of, I've never heard anything like that. I said, you're full of shit. You're an artillery officer in the army, <laughs> you know, <laughs> during <laughs> Vietnam. Tell me you hadn't heard that stuff. I said, don't. <laughs> I was kind of mean to him. I said, don't fucking lie to me again, Mr. McDonald, because, you know, that ain't right. I know you heard that kind of talk. I says, I only use it for emphasis. It ain't like I'm chewing you out, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it goes. If I can't get anything out of them, I might as well insult them. <laughs> that's the way to be. Mm-hmm. But anyways, thanks for allowing me to come on. I hope somebody was listening. And I'm trying to still figure out how to get the American Legion and all them on the veteran side. I'm not sure that it'll ever work, but. Well, the only thing you'd good have I'm... to take the government subsidies from them. Uh, all right, Sherman. Yeah. Well, here's 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 step. Here's a phase you can do. You know, somewhere research, find their bylaws, every one of them. Read their bylaws very carefully into what it says, and when it gets down to the last, you will see where it says that their ultimate allegiance relies with the VA and not the veteran. That's what's got to change. It, it says that in their bylaws? Yeah, no, no, the DAVs does. Need to read them, buddy. <laughs> Even if it ain't in their bylaws, that's what they've sworn to, so I believe you 100%. Yeah, they give. Well, yeah, they get free rent and free cars and $35,000 a year and a free office and, you know, and. Free print services, free internet, free Wi-Fi, probably free laptops. Well, they that and plus they the get. Plus, what happens here, and, and and this is this is going to be the kicker on all of it, all of what I've talked about tonight, and what you're talking about now. 
is they get prestige, they get uh, time in service, so they get a big head, and they forget it's about mm-hmm. someone beside themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you should have seen me one day. I was at a meeting with a director of the Atlanta VA Medical Center, and our parking lots were full. You had to drive around all the time about 30 minutes to find a parking space, you know? And I come in one day, and there's like 10 spots right there that, at, where the director and all them parked that right across from them all blocked off. So I'm in my meeting with the director, and I say, hey, why are all them spots parked off and there's a police officer standing down there? And she says, well, we have a meeting with the VSOs this, today. It's our week, a monthly meeting, and so we reserve parking spots for them when they come in. I said, are you out of your mind? And she said, what? I said, they're veterans just like the rest of them. We got people that are coming in here that need health care. Let them drive around and park like everybody else, and maybe they'll start demanding that y'all do something about the parking situation. And she says, well, what do you want us to do about the parking situation? I said, number one, we have two off-site parking lots, one at the Baptist Church and the other one up there at so-and-so. She says, yes. I said, require the employees to go up there in the morning and park their car and ride the bus over here like y'all requiring veterans to do in the overflow parking. I said, that way they're going to be here eight hours at least today, and that way they're not taking up a parking spot. I said, they get here in the morning before veterans do, and they take the closest parking spots. we got to drive all the way to the damn roof and hope we find a parking spot. Are you ready I said, for the this second story, thing, Huh? No. Well, let me finish this one. Yeah. <laughs> Then I told her, I said, look, the second thing you do is we've got a whole bunch of handicapped parking spots here. I said, but veterans in Georgia get a free disabled parking license plate. You don't have to pay taxes if you're a disabled veteran. But disabled doesn't mean that you're handicapped. But if you go out there and look at all the handicapped parking spots, there's disabled veterans' vehicles parked in there. And 90% of them are the employees that work here that are disabled veterans are taking the daggum handicapped parking spot. Require them to park everywhere else and walk. Huh? They got they got a wheelchair in their plate? No. Well, they should, they should change it to where you can get Hang on. That's, the wheelchair means it's <laughs> handicapped. But they just have a disabled right. parking spot. But, I mean, that's just the way they act. It says DV, disabled veterans. So, you know, they think that they can park there. And they do because the VA police ain't going to do nothing. They're buddies with the guys that are doing it. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. But you tell me your story now. I I think mine's pretty good. The Lexington, Kentucky Department of Veteran Affairs Medical Center on Cooper Drive, we got two. We got uh, one in downtown and one outside of town. And uh, when I Are you from Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah, baby. I wouldn't claim yeah. it knowing that the chairman of the Senate, the head of the Senate is from Kentucky. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Actually, Mitch and Elaine are friends of mine. <laughs> I've tried to yeah. get him quit, but he won't. Johnny Ike is <laughs> a friend of mine, too, you know. He's chairman of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee, so what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. The VA campus associated with the University of Kentucky is at a hospital behind, you know, the University of Kentucky downtown. UK owns all the parking lots. So a VA employee has to pay UK $800 a year plus to park. 
And that is the old employee. $800 a year just to park. The bathrooms are good to park in the garage, provided it's not full. But if you park out on the street in front of the VA, if you don't have a UK sticker in your vehicle, rent a record comes by and yanks your car up and takes it to the $50 toll pound place, and you got to pay 100 bucks to get it out. Well, I have, to, I have to be honest on something here, too. Even though that we have the overflow parking and we have buses that run back and forth all day long to the overflow parking, it's a huge church parking lot. The reason they told me that VA employees won't park in the overflow parking lot and ride the buses is that they have to get there earlier to do that. <laughs> One. And the second thing is that they say that they get money drawn out of their pay each month for parking at the VA parking lot. So they figured they'd have the right to park anywhere they want. You park your car in an overflow lot in this town for the VA, and you're going to come back, you're going to miss your hubcaps, wheels, and your battery, and that's another <laughs> part of your car. <laughs> well, do you want to hear a story about that? We had valet parking at our we had valet parking at our VA facility, and they built two new parking decks, so they did away with valet parking. Okay, it was a contractor that parked your car there on the VA medical center property. They didn't leave the property or anything. They just parked your car, and it was a contracted work. So the director of our medical center decided that she liked the, the valet parking, so she was going to bring valet parking back. But instead of hiring another contractor to run the valet parking, she decided that we were going to put hire veterans to do the, the VA parking and make them VA employees as valet Good parking. Gesture. But... Here's the problem. The valet parking was going to be off-site up at the another parking lot that they were going to rent to valet park the cars because they didn't have any place on the, on the VA property to park the cars, okay? So what they were going to do is you're going to drive your car up there, get out. They were going to take your car, drive it on the, high, on the road or several roads to wherever this thing was, it had to be at least a mile or a quarter mile or half a mile away because there was nothing closer than a half a mile from where the VA is. Park your car and then come bring it back to you, okay? Yep. And then in the meeting, someone stood up and says, who's going to cover the insurance on that when they leave the, the VA property? What happens if they're in a bad accident or something? Who's responsible, you know? Who's going to cover that yep. insurance? And the director says, well, I didn't think of that. And then someone else says, I got a $70,000 Mercedes out there. She says, do you think I'm going to let somebody get in my car and drive it off somewhere and park it somewhere else Mm -hmm. and it get broken in or something like that? And she says, well, we'll have VA police up there. And, and and somebody said, well, what do you mean you'll have VA police up there? And she says, well, you know, that it, since it will have VA police policing it and everything. So the captain of the VA police force says, I need to say something here. Because, number one, we're not authorized to go out and do that. Number two, we don't have the manpower to do it. And if we did do it, the only thing we would do is every hour or couple hours cruise through there and see if everything's okay. She didn't need, she had this whole elaborate plan and didn't have anything figured. And that's a person leading the hospital. Mm-hmm. Who's going to cover the insurance? 
Who's going to go? Yeah. I'm not authorizing anybody to take my vehicle off a of property, you know? But that's just that the way it was. Better. So they yeah. in it. Huh? That would have been about a 15-story parking garage and let them park there and forget it. Hell, we we built we built um, two brand new ones right in front of the VA that are five stories each. Yeah. We had a good. But what happens is, go ahead. We had a good friend of ours. He was down to the TVs, the Bay Pines VA down there in St. Petersburg, Florida, Tampa area. His handle was Florida Viking. He's he's long since passed away. And he's had a lot of bad luck in his life, you know. He got mistreated real bad. Had a real bad case of PTSD. He drives, he drives a car down to the VA, and he gets gets in his little truck, I guess, and he parks in the parking place, and he goes inside the VA. He goes in there, and he sits around, and he goes to the doctor's appointment, and he gets paged. So he gets goes down to down to the VA police, and they said, "Are you so mystery?" He said, "Are you Mister Terry?" He said, "Yes." Come down here, man. Let's let's show you something. We've had a little issue. He went down to his parking garage where his car was sitting, and his truck was up, crushed against the top of the parking garage. This little sports car whipped in, my, whipped in there, tried to whip into the spot, hit his truck in the back end, and raised it up and crushed the top on Being Some a people just don't have have, Being about a nine-foot ceiling roof, they decided that they couldn't get a tow truck down there, so how they can get the cars undone? This truck was towed. <laughs> It's a true story. Remember that, Gerald? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think, you know, I complain and stuff, I, and I shouldn't because I live in the greatest country in the world. But, you know, whenever I go in a restaurant, wherever I go, I expect the best quality service there is. And if I don't get it, I'll let them know that I don't appreciate it, and I'll tell them right away. I've served three times in military I- service. This is the greatest country in the world. We have the greatest stuff in the world. We have the greatest people in the military in the world. And we deserve the best. And by you lowering your standards, you're lowering the standards for everybody else, you know? And that's just the way it is. I mean, I expect said, the highest standards of everything. Huh? You said you said earlier in the show you don't listen to much national news. Did you know about the uh, accident they had on the carrier the other day? Did you hear about that? No, I didn't hear that. No. Uh, aviation boss's mate, boss's mate, seaman apprentice was up on the flight deck trying to secure a prop plane, and uh, well, he got caught with a prop and it kind of decapitated him. Man, that's I mean, you know, that happens every day, you know, you know, but not every day, but it happens a lot. And flight decks are dangerous. Man, that's- Man, you tell me about it. I mean, there's something going on all the way around, you know. One of them will turn on you and blow you a jet blast right over the side or right into another one. What um, carrier you on? I was on three different ones. I was on the USS Franklin D. Roosevelt first, mm-hmm. then the USS Lexington second, and then the USS the Midway third. Huh? When was you on the Lexington? 1970. Three and seventy-four. Well, it wasn't a training carrier yet, huh? No, it was. Yeah, it was stationed out of Pensacola. A good buddy of mine lives up in Alabama, not too far from you, actually. 
was number two cat captain on the Lex when that uh, guy tried to make his first carrier landing and uh, they waved him off. Instead, he panicked. Instead of using yeah. the stick, he used the seat, inverted the plane, and crashed right on top of the, right next, right on the tower. And uh, that's a live on the video. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, this is back years ago, but he finally got 100% PTSD because of that. And the VA denied his claim, and guess how we got him service connected? I don't know. Buddy statement, buddy statements in the video. He 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 was the guy in the video running. <laughs> then he ran back on <laughs> and put the fire. Well, I mean, you got to be a brave guy. You know, I was talking to I was talking to some people the other day about the flag deal or yeah, with the pro football players. I said, man, you got to remember this: that every veteran in this nation served under that flag, and that we it raised every morning and went down every night, and, and you know it was lit up on the base, and it meant something to us. And when when we get out of the service or even if we die in the service, the last thing that happens to us is that flag's draped over our coffin. It's pulled off and folded in a certain way and handed to, you know, a loved one or someone that represents us, you know. And that means a whole lot, you know. And, yeah. and just like that, you know, people, people, you know, I thought about it, you know, I've drank JP5 a lot of times because they flushed the tanks from one to another to shift weight on the ship, you know, and you'd go to the water fountain and drink JP5, you know, no telling, you know, what the hell, like I said, asbestos. Oh, they never you know, did that. Breathing. No, they, they'll deny that all day long. Breathing, you know, they'll breathing asbestos or, or jet fuel, you know, just all the hard work that you did many, 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 many hours, you know, or, or you were in the infantry and, you know, or and you went and, you know, went on a, on a mission and, um, and was the point man, or I got a buddy that was, he, he refused to stand for the national anthem back in 75, 76. We'd go to a lot of Braves games and all. His name was Billy Smith, little video guy. He was, he was a, um, a tunnel rat in Vietnam. And can you imagine crawling down in a hole you can barely fit in with a 45 and, you know, a grenade and say, and go down there and see what's in there, you know, and back your way out or you know, booby trap, whatever it was, you know, and he had, he had applied back then for disability, you know, for, for stress and all, and they kept denying him, denying him, so he wouldn't stand up for the national anthem when we'd go to a thing. And I remember one Braves game we went to, and we sat out in the outfield, and um, there was Billy sitting down during the national anthem. I stood up. And these people around him started telling him to stand up. You know, you need to stand up, buddy. And they were giving him a hard time. And he just sat there and said nothing. And, I mean, I thought there was a fight going to be broken out, you know. And I stood there, you know, and I said, look, man, I'm a military man. If he wants to sit there, let him sit there. Y'all better shut the hell up or we're going to have a big-ass fight out here, you know. And then we started drinking beers with him and telling him, you know, what we did in the service and what he did in the service especially. Because this guy would be in the summer and he'd have a shirt on, an undershirt on, a sweater on, a wool cap on. I mean, he he was messed up, you know? And he just yeah. wasn't going to stand up for that flag that had mistreated him so much when he got out. You know, that was his own protest. So, so the guy that was behind us, they all started buying us beer and talking to us and realizing what was going on. The guy behind, behind me said, give me your phone number. 
I said, what point I want to talk to you? <laughs> this is a true story. I'm about to cry. He called me a couple of days later and says, hey, man, I got season tickets up here. He says, and the guy next to me has season tickets. He says, we'd like you to come down there to the wheel call window and pick up tickets for the certain game, the next game or something, you know, whatever it was. He says, can you two guys come there and be there? And I said, yeah, we always, we worked at the Humane Society. We weren't making any money. I said, yeah, we'll go down there because we'd had fun with them after we, you know, they knew the story. We, we went there to that game and sat with them. And when the national anthem played, 20 people around us sat and didn't rise, <laughs> you know? <laughs> after that game, they gave us other tickets, and Billy stood as soon as they sat down and stood, sat with us that game, halfway through the national anthem, Billy stood up, and the rest of them stood up because the point was Aww. gone then, you know? You know what I'm saying? But every they, they planned it. They sat with us. They sat with Billy. Oh, standing. <laughs> but they sat with Billy. And then when Billy looked sure around won't. and saw what was happening, he stood up you sure, and you sure that was, it was over. You wasn't sure because Dale Murphy hit a home run, was it? <laughs> no, it was before the game. Maybe it's because Chief Nakahoma set his TP on fire. He probably did. Have you ever? Did you, are you familiar with that? I'm very familiar up with the birds. Up, up in the left field outfield, old Chief Nakahoma had that TP. Yeah. Yeah. He'd come out running before the game and do a dance on the on the pitcher's mound and then run like hell out there one day, one night. There's <laughs> TP caught on fire out there because whenever somebody hit a home run, he'd set smoke in there and he'd come out the top of that thing. He'd set the darn thing on fire. <laughs> I remember the Braves. I remember the Braves teams of Bob Horner and Dale Murphy. Rick Camp, those players. Steve Bedrosian, those players. That Rick Camp, mentioning him. Mentioning him, that sucker pinched hit in like the 15th inning of a ball game one night and hit a home run. Hit a home run. <laughs> yeah. But He's I'll like tell you something about Bob Rick. Horner. Huh? Bob Horner could hit. Bob Horner could hit. Yeah. We, there was a guy that played center field back. There was a guy that played center field back then named Brett Butler. Yeah, I know Brett. Remember, yeah. And, and he used to call Bob Horner the glass man because he would always get hurt. <laughs> he stayed yeah. hurt, but he was he was from Texas. He could knock the hell out of that ball. But I was in the Navy when he was playing ball for the Braves, and me and another guy mm-hmm. used from um, Tallapoosa, Georgia. Used to go out there and watch them when they came in and played San Francisco, the Giants. Back then they were in the same division, so they played. And Bob Horner and Bill mm-hmm. Murphy they each would hit a home run in those games. They'd blast that park, Candlestick Park. Yep, I watched them in San Diego. Uh, I watched them in Bob San Diego. Horner one, Bob Horner was one of those first people to make a million dollars, you know, and his contract was like $333,000 a year. It was $333,000 yeah, a year. I remember that. He was the. Yeah, he got so much for making the all-star team, and he hit four home runs in one game got a bonus, didn't he? Yeah. Remember that. He did have a pretty swing, though. He That sucker knocked the hell out of that thing. 
Yeah, but he broke but his thumb. Never to get, he messed his thumb up never to get back. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's that what Brett Butler called him, the glass man. He could hit it, but he'd be out half the game because he was hurt for one reason or another. You know, that Brett Butler, you know, he's about five foot five or six. You know, he's a little bitty old guy. He left, field, he, he, left, he left Atlanta and went to Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> He was a tough little guy. You know, he was one of those guys that had to prove himself, you know. So he, he was tough, and he, he, he gave Bob Horner hell all the time. That was so the Reds have got a pitcher. The Reds have a pitcher right now. His name, his name is uh, Michael Lorenzen. And uh, he, this year, he's had like 12 at bats. And he's supposed to be he's a relief pitcher. So next year, he'd probably, see, he'd probably start in the left field for the Reds. Out of the 12 at bat, six of them are, have been home runs, one grand slam. Wow. Speaking of the Braves, I need to probably get off here and listen to them. They're playing the Phillies now, and they got need six games to clinch the division. Mm-hmm. Right, I don't have a television or nothing. I'll pick it up on my radio. Oh, okay. So did, did you live? Well, listen. Did, did you live in Atlanta? Have you lived in Atlanta? Uh, my son worked there for, for, for a couple months. Yeah, I've been up. I mean, you, I was a big Braves fan growing up. I mean, you live in Eastern Kentucky or Tennessee, you're you're a Braves fan. You're not a Reds fan. Of course, now TBS had the Braves on TV long before everybody else did. Superstation, man, back then. America's Dad Turner. Was brave. That song bitch was crazy, yeah. wasn't he? The best thing Ted Turner ever did. The yeah. best thing Ted Turner ever did was put the Braves on TV. The worst thing he ever did was marrying that damn Jane Fonda. Yeah. Bobby Cox, he, that was pretty good. He hired Bobby Cox, too. I call him that the rock. was funny, though. I call him the rocker because yeah. he's sitting in the dugout and just rock back and forth, rock back and forth. <laughs> well, him and that, the pitching coach that was there, Leo Mazzoni, did it real bad. Yeah. Leo Mazzoni used to rock real bad. Bobby Cox, that's one thing I miss about the Braves games. They put a microphone down by the dugout, and he'd stand on the stairs. And every and, and on the radio, you'd hear him every game. He'd be hollering, you know, every batter, whatever their nickname was. Come on, Murph, come on now, watch that one. You know, he'd be talking to him the whole game. You know, he was something else. But yeah. Ted Turner, Ted Turner was great, man. He, he owned the Braves, and he, he uh, the Braves were losing. They'd lost like thirteen or fourteen games in a row, so he fired the manager. <laughs> he went down there and put a uniform on. Says, "I'm the manager now. <laughs> we're gonna win." He managed one game, and then Major League Baseball says, hey, you can't be the owner and the manager. you you got to hire a manager. <laughs> he was crazy, though. He was interim manager. Yeah. Well, listen, guys, it's been, it's been time, great. He, one time he got he was on TV. It's funny as hell. They called him Captain Outrageous. You know, he was a championship uh, sailboat. You know, he won the America's Cup and all. I mean, he's, he's, he's a brilliant man. He, he got on the radio one day, and somebody asked him something. Uh, I forgot who the announcer was, old, one of them old, old-timer guys. He says, you know, what are you going to do about the team losing? He, he says, what are you going to do about the team? We lost, uh, you know, 14 games in a row or something. He said, hell, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to 
every damn body that shows up gets in free. <laughs> so we win. <laughs> they said, what? And he said, there ain't no tickets no more. Just come on down here. <laughs> Everybody's free till we win. And I think it was Pete Van Weeren or the other guy, and he says, Joe Simpson or something, he says, well, are you going to give free beer too? And he said, no, I don't have any control over that. <laughs> They were learning also. Pete Van Wernick's learning. Yeah. Yeah. But may he rest in peace. Well, guys, I got to get off here. Yeah. Y'all have a great evening. Okay. Thanks a lot, Chairman. All right. I hope we touched somebody's heart out there. Well, I hope we did, too.